0: So open to Psalm 14, kind of goes along with the theme that we've been having in Romans 7, at least part of it, talking about sin. Tuck reminded us on Sunday night, we should be thankful for a church that talks about sin. Uh, While that's... uh, one, sense you may think it's not a pleasant topic, it's a, it's a necessary topic, uh, but actually is pleasant whenever you, you, you apply the gospel to it, because um, understanding what we've been forgiven of is, uh, is what lifts our soul in, uh, in thanksgiving. This is a familiar psalm, at least the first few verses, so let's read it, then we'll pray together and then we'll get in our, uh, our study this morning. For the choir director, a psalm of David. Now think about that. This is a song that Israel's is going to sing. and Look at what they're singing about. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have committed abominable deeds. There is no one who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there's any who understands, who seek after God. And what does he see? They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Do all the workers of wickedness not know who eat up my people as they eat up bread and do not call upon the Lord? There they are in great dread. For God is the righteous generation, or is with the righteous generation, you would be put to shame, you would put to shame the counsel of the afflicted, but the Lord is his refuge. All that salvation, the salvation of Israel would come out of Zion. When the Lord restores his captive people, Jacob will restore Israel. Israel will be glad. There's really the cry of that song at the very end. It acknowledges reality and circumstances, but, but the, the, the song builds to a crescendo there at the end, which is a cry to the Lord for salvation. The salvation of Israel would come out of Zion, and we know who that was as a person. The Lord Jesus would come. There's also a cry for the kingdom to come. When the Lord restores his uh, his captive people, when that happens, then Jacob will rejoice and Israel will be glad. When the Messiah comes, when the kingdom comes, when, when God delivers, there is there's a great sense of of rejoicing. But this psalm should should sound familiar to you because it's it's one of uh, of a couple psalms that that's requoted in in Book of Romans. Where's this? Where is this found in, in the book of Romans? Romans 3. It's exactly right. There's none who understands. There's none that seeketh after God. They've all turned aside. Together they become corrupt. So you get the picture here of the fool who says, there is no God. God's not watching. God's not paying any attention. I'm just living here on my own. I'm doing my own thing. There's no one to hold me accountable. Um this is what they're saying in their heart, and then that comes out in their lives. Verse 1, they're corrupt, <clears throat> and they have committed evil deeds, committed deeds that, 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 that are coming out because of their, their godless perspective. Um, there's no goodness in them, what they do. And then you get this picture in verse 2 of this, this like the Lord looking down. Uh, from, from heaven. It's like an echo from uh, the Tower of Babel. It's like this play on words in Genesis 11 where men, all the men get together and say, We're going to build a tower that reaches into the heavens. You know, look at our great strength. We are mighty. And it's like the Lord looks down over in heaven and is like, You know, that. That little thing down there—that—that's that, the—that's the greatest thing. The Lord looks down from, you know, from heaven, and what does He see? Whenever the Lord looks looks upon the sons of men, He looks to see there is any who understand, if there's any who seek after God. Well, wouldn't that be wonderful? But there's not. They've all turned aside. Together, they've become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. It's the declaration of God looking from heaven and then he, he asked the question I mean, do the workers of wickedness not know people who do evil things to, to, to God's people um, they don't call upon the Lord they just devour God's people like, like bread cast them aside as if there's no accountability which is how he starts um There they are in great dread, for God is with the righteous generation. You would be put to, you would put to shame the counsel of the afflicted. But the Lord is his refuge, looking to the to the very end. Um, You'll know one day, and then he cries for that day. Salvation, salvation of Israel would would come out of Zion when the Lord restores his captive people, and when that happens, there will be rejoicing. Joy will come in the morning. And Israel will, will be glad, regardless of what you see around you, as you look around you, as you look within you, you cry for, for this very thing, um, that the Lord would deliver me. Who would deliver me from this body of death? Or Lord, would you, you know, come Lord Jesus, come quickly, bring about your, your kingdom. And the promise is whenever that happens, there will be, won't be weeping anymore, there will be rejoicing whenever the Lord comes. Or as Solomon said, let's hear the conclusion of this matter. Fear God, keep His commandments. For the Lord will bring everything into judgment. Which, which you think only negatively when you hear that term. The Lord will bring everything into judgment. But, 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 it, but it has a, it, it has another angle. It's not just He's going to judge the wicked. He's going to He's going to make straight the paths that that have been. He's been talking about being crooked. He's going to right the wrongs. So when the Lord brings judgment, He's not only going to Judge those who have done wrongly. He's going to reward those who have done rightly, and he's going to—he's going to fix everything. That's the idea um, that's there. The conclusion of life: what 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 should drive you in life? What should encourage you in life? When you when you're when you, you get too high in life and you think, "Wow, this is a wonderful place. I'd like to stay here for a while." Um, remember, um, remember what's. Well, Remember eternity, what's coming in and in. Or the work, or the other part. Ah, oh, woe is me, life is so hard, it's so bad. I put two steps forward, one step back. Call it, Solomon says, when you feel that way, same deal. Well, let's hear the conclusion of the matter. Fear God, keep his commandments. Because what's coming is reality. What's coming is what you want. He's going to straighten out everything that's crooked. He's going to judge the wicked, and he's going to right the world. And that's what we what we, what we we actually live for Um how the psalm ends so let's pray father we praise you this morning it's not even 630 it's still dark outside and we're talking about the king of kings and lord of lords what a great way to start the day lord thinking this morning giving you thanks of how many people will roll out of bed the first thing that they'll do after they've rubbed their eyes is turn their televisions on and allow a blue flashing screen with uh, talking heads to tell them about the world. And what, what are they going to tell them? Oh, evil, wickedness. Do this to make you happy. Let me give you these tweaks, whatever it is. They might not even be, be paying attention to what's playing in the background, getting their coffee, and then launching out into the day. Never giving a single thought to the one who gave them life and breath and allows their hearts to pump. What a, what a wonderful gift you've given us today to be able to gather together with other brothers and give praise to the one who made us. We, we praise you. We give you thanks. We are so thankful this morning, Lord, that we know who you are, that you have given us life. You've given us a Bible. You've given us a book that records your words. We have that in front of us. We are so thankful for eyes to be able to, to see these words written on the page for for minds that, that, that are able to understand the language that's there, ears to be able to hear someone talk about it, brains to be able to process it, and for redeemed spirits. We are so thankful, Lord, that these words don't just bounce off our hearts um, like, like seed on hardened ground, but, but our hearts are receptive to it. We now have spiritual minds rather than natural ones. We'll praise you, Lord, that we're able to understand your word that we're able to be affected by your word. And thank you that we're able to apply your word. And this psalm clearly tells us um, where there's hope. Uh, the world around us denies who you are. Um, this is what we, we once did. Thank you that you've saved us. Thank you that we're no longer fools. That we are um, we're part of your righteous because you've declared us so. And we put our faith in your son alone. Thank you, Lord, that we, we have no hope in our flesh and we realize that. And thank you that, um, that salvation has come out of Zion for us. We've trusted in him in our hearts and we long for his coming. What a day this would be if Jesus Christ would, would break the sky and return, call his church home. Help us to think about those things, Lord. That, that's what makes life worth living. Keep us from falling asleep today being lulled to sleep by the, the drumbeat of the world or our work or whatever else. Let us do all of those things unto your glory, uh, looking toward eternity in the end. and We give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, open your, your Grace and Granite books. We're talking about developing foundational convictions. What do we want to do here? We want to strike the nail over and over and over to build convictions, to drive them deep into your hearts. Um, we want to be men of conviction. Uh, we don't want to be convicted about, convinced, that's what that word means, Convict the world of sin, righteousness, and of judgment. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. It just simply means to convince, thoroughly convince. Convince to the point of it's, 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 you, you die for it. It's unshakable. It's, it becomes a, becomes a, a core of, what, uh, of who you are and what you believe, and therefore that drives your, your life. So we want these convictions to give us courage to stand on the truth and also vigorously apply it to our lives. That's, that, that's our goal of being convinced of these things. It's so that we'll stand on it and we'll vigorously apply it to our lives, not just in passing, but we'll work at it every day. We'll try to apply these things Uh, so they become stronger and stronger. And um, it's also training that builds a commitment to to the bride of Christ, to the church. Um, That's the sphere of life. You heard that even in the psalm this morning, talking about the fool who says in his heart, and these fools collectively are doing things to the people of God. I mean, the, the, the Bible always is, is drawing this line. These are my people. These are not my people. You know, these are the, the, the children of Israel and the nations, uh, the church and the world, the sheep and the goats. The Bible's drawing this, this, this line. And the sheep understand that this line's been drawn by grace. Like, we, we're not sheep and everybody else is goats because we're smarter than anybody else. It's by grace alone that, that this has happened to us, which then generates thankfulness. But the, but the Bible has no problems drawing that, that line. I mean, a thick, black, sharpie, permanent marker. Um, when, once you become the Lord's, then, then you, are, you, you are the Lord's. And so where do we focus our attention as believers? Focus our attention on the church. Like, this is what God's doing in the world. What What is God doing in the world? Jesus Christ is building his church through the gospel. And he's not just bringing people into it through decisions. He, he's, he's bringing in disciples, which begins and then then continues to be. You're taught, whatsoever things I've commanded you, you've learned. You are learning, I should say. Uh, everything that, that, that Jesus commands, everything that, that he is. Anybody... Anybody fully accomplished that yet here this morning? You know, me neither. So we're we're still at it until until he, he returns. And so we're making and maturing disciples. So disciples are coming into the church. It's not just you and Jesus out there, you know, riding your horse, uh um, you know, trying to win people and make decisions. You're, you're, you're bringing those. You're making disciples through the gospel, and those disciples are followers, and those followers gather together where they're matured, and they're matured in the church, and uh, then the, the spiritual gifts are given at salvation, and those are being cultivated and developed. You're, you're provoking one another to love and good works. So these commitments, these convictions, should affect the world, or they affect you, but, but they're the primary focus... Of your your Christian life, your spiritual life is is geared toward the church. So have a working biblical literacy, the right perspective of leadership, applying the word to the life's hardest questions, know how to develop convictions, the right perspective of self and influence. And that's where we are we're at right now. Have the right perspective of influence. It's not on a superficial level. All influence comes from godly character. Godly character flows from humility and faith. How do I know whether I have it that's measured in faithfulness to Christ? In the section we're on now, what matters supremely is that men know the truth, live the truth. That's what we've already talked about. We read Ezra 7.10. The order was deliberate. Ezra studied the law of God Put it into practice in his own life, so that he might be able to teach other people. And you don't know where to start? That's that. That's where to start. You know the truth. So we talked about knowing the truth. We just we don't want to just know it in general. We want to know it in particular, and we want to apply it to the hard questions of uh, of life. Um, well, I'm just not a reader. Or I'm, I am I'm a I'm a practical man. Well, that's great. Um, I'm good with my hands. I'm not good with my brain. Well, well, that's great. I'm I'm, I'm thankful that you are. But none of that excuses you from from knowing the truth. You, you you still have been given a Bible, and the the way that that you you grow is that that you you understand Scripture. You, you may not understand the original language all of the other things that are there that's totally fine not one's greater or lesser talking about knowing the truth which is knowing god so we ask the questions how much do you know and are you satisfied with what you know you shouldn't be um then we talked about after you know the truth you're working on knowing the truth you want to you want to live it out Not just what i know but what i actually put into practice Say well, I'm not really practicing a whole lot. Well, I would say the first place to start is how much do you know? Are you actually applying yourself to know the Lord, to know His, to know His Word? Um, But let's say you are. You don't want to just become a big bloated toad of theology or information. You you, you want to you want to put that into practice. Get those legs hopping, move, Um, put it put it into practice. So we're talking about living the truth. So where do you start? You know, Christianity is following jesus so do you read your bible do you pray do you come to church do you give do you do these most basic things sometimes we get so overwhelmed with things that we you know um you know your house becomes so dirty your truck becomes so dirty your job site becomes so cluttered you're just like, I just don't even know i don't even know where to start so we don't do anything you know analysis paralysis so start with the big things Um, do you come to church do you open your bible when you get up in the morning and and read we talked about reading psalm on the day about reading proverbs on the day Uh, do you pray um i I, no. i mean i I can't pray like you pastor uh, you know or i can't play pray like uh you know whoever i know my my grandpa used to pray an hour a day i just can't do that well are you praying five minutes are you praying at all you know so don't use that as as a stumbling block for get you to to do something. Because guess what will happen? When if you get up in the morning and you intend to pray and you start doing that, then that, that couple sentence prayers turns into five minutes, and then that five minutes turns into ten. And the next thing you know, you're building your life around talking to, to the Lord in, in the morning. Um same thing with giving, same thing with with any anything else. So knowing the truth, living the truth. Today we're going to talk about. The next part, which is proclaiming the truth. Proclaiming the truth. And maybe we'll get to disciple others, others in the truth. What do you think he means by proclaiming the truth? What do you think he means here? What's he aiming at? Proclaiming the truth. I'm, I know it. Like I'm serious about trying to know the Bible. What Know God, know what the Bible says, know the truths that are there. Taking opportunities to do that, I'm not just being passive. Well, I hope something hits me on Sunday morning. Um, I'm listening to sermons during the week. I got a, I got a bite-sized theology book on my on my nightstand. Um, I'm taking notes, trying to understand, and then I'm trying to live it out, being intentional about that. What do you think he means by proclaiming? I'm doing both of those things. I'm knowing the truth. I'm living the truth. What does he mean by proclaiming? Truth. Okay. Yes. Verbal expression. In what way? Yes, sir. Okay. All right. He said, the, so the universal call of the Christian is to proclaim the gospel, is to share the truth of God with, with other people. Do you believe that? Do you believe that as a Christian, you have a call by God, you have a command by God, it's your duty and, and delight to share the good news of Jesus Christ with other people? And of course, then the second question is: If you truly believe that, and you should, you're not just, well, you know, God zapped me, so I hope He's going to zap other people. That's not the way that we approach evangelism. Uh, you, you believe somebody, somebody shared the gospel with you, right? Uh, somebody did that. Praise the Lord for whoever that for whoever that was. So if we believe that that is our obligation, and it is, I mean, Jesus gave the the, the great commission to the church. We're part of the church. And so we have a responsibility, you know, to share that to share that gospel with with others. So, what does that look like? What does proclaiming the truth look like? What are some ways that you have seen evangelism uh, done? Some ways that you have done evangelism. Okay. All right. So, the conversations that I'm having on a daily basis with people in my spheres of life, which could be any number of things where I go at lunch, people at work, somebody I'm, I'm pumping gas, the guy next to me is pumping gas, I'm on an airplane, I'm at a football game, I'm wherever I'm at. So, as I'm going throughout my daily life, our brother said, I am looking opportunities, I'm actively looking, I'm hunting, it almost sounds like this other uh, idea that we have where Jesus said, I'll make you fishers of men, so we think when we hear that, make you fishers of men, I always thought of the the song, you know, um, you get a line and I'll get a pole and we'll go down to the crawdad hole, is that what it was, you think fishing that way. Okay. I got my rod. I'm going to put a really good piece of bait on there and I'm going to bait these unbelievers in. Make sure that you know, make look Jesus look really sweet and I'm going to throw it out there. And I'm going to reel that 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 bait. The the better the bait, the be, the better the, the opportunity to catch the fish. That's not what that means at all. Fishing wasn't done that way. How was fishing done? How how did Peter and the disciples fish. What, what did they do? Did they have, did they have rods and reels and, and worms, bobbers? No, well, they did it all. They had nets, right? And the net was a round net, with, which was weighted. And they, they got the net, threw it over their shoulder, and then they threw it. And as they threw it, the, the weights went out. So it lands in a perfect circle. And then it falls on the water and then it falls over the fish and the weights take it to the bottom and then they pull it on the rope and that cinched the fish that that the net caught. The picture that you have there is your job is you're casting the gospel. You're sharing the gospel. The gospel is the one that catches the fish. It has nothing to do with your bait. You don't have any bait that's that going to convince an unbeliever to do anything. In fact, if you're using bait, you probably didn't catch anything. Your job is to cast the net of the gospel, and the gospel falls over the water of the world, and as it sinks to the bottom, it catches the fish that God intends it to catch, and then you, you, you take those fish and bring them into the, you know, into the church. and That's the idea. So as you're going through your daily life, you're looking for opportunities to share the good news of, you know, of, of Christ. So the first place that starts is an intention to do that, right? <laughs> I mean, today, I intend, I mean, how many opportunities or uh, are, 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 um, interactions, I should say, with people are you going to have? You're going to probably have I don't know 100. I don't know how many interactions you're going to have. Well, I only work with the same guys every day, and you know, well, you go to lunch somewhere, you go. So, you're going to have interactions. Let's just say this week. Are you thinking about those interactions from the from the standpoint of I want to cast the net of the, I want to throw the net of the gospel? Maybe it will will land you know, in front of this person or on top of this person. Maybe the Lord wants to use me in that way. I would say you have to be intentional about doing that. You may think about that and then you may get busy in life and you forget. So this, this whole idea of proclaiming the truth obviously begins with knowing it, knowing the gospel, and living it out yourself. You need to have a good testimony. You want to have a good testimony. Not a perfect one. Um, so what do I do if, you know, I mean, I'm at work and Sometimes I get mad. Sometimes I do the wrong thing. Being a sinner is not going to turn anybody off from the gospel. Being a sinner and acting like you're not, being a sinner and not being humble about it is what's going to turn people off from the gospel. They're sinners too. What's different is you would acknowledge that you're a sinner and humble yourself and do that on a regular basis. That's what's distinct from from the world. Um, So you're doing that. You're knowing it when you're screwing up, you're saying, you're going back to the person saying, I did the wrong thing. Uh, forgive me. That was, is what makes you unique. But then you're thinking about, I'm viewing people through the lens of these are these are individuals that are either in one of two conditions. They're either a sheep or a goat. And so I want to bring them in contact with the with the gospel, so that 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 begins with with that intentionality. So okay, so now I've got the intention to do that. I'm going to leave Grace and Granite, and I'm going to try to look at people today through the lens of are they believers or are they not, and is the Lord going to give me an opportunity to uh, to share with them? What do I do then? Amen. Well, that's beautiful right there. So now, not only am I looking at at another individual, and I'm I'm asking myself the question: If this person took their last breath, would they be in hell or heaven? Is this person a follower or not? And maybe I don't know. And then the next thing I'm doing, if I want to, if I want to connect with them, want to connect them with the gospel in some way, I'm going to be a good listener. I'm gathering data. I mean, we're not talking about just dropping the gospel bomb on them, you know. So you're walking up, every person you you you, you see, uh, you give them a chick track or whatever it is, and then move on. Um, you'll find out a lot of people about people if you listen to them, and then you're listening for the intention of figuring out how to connect them with the with the gospel, with the with the, with an open door. What else? I don't know what to pray, Pastor. I mean, I pray, and I pray for, for Mama, and I pray for, you know, Sister Sue, and I pray for, for whatever. I pray for myself. What else do I pray for? <laughs> right there is right there's one. I'm going to pray today. Lord, I'm going to interact with people. I'm not good with words, but, but I, I, I would pray that you would just open my eyes to people around me, give me a tender heart. Give me a smooth transition into the gospel. Everybody, you know, you have no problem whatsoever talking about, uh, you know, the, the Green Bay Packers and the, the Steelers, how they got in a big brawl on the sidelines or what I did when I was hunting or my guns or, or whatever it, whatever it might be. Those conversations are natural. The weather is natural. But you bring in Jesus and it becomes unnatural, doesn't it? I'm praying. Smooth transition to that. And then give me the courage whenever it gets uncomfortable to go there. Yeah, Mark? I break the ice with, I just ask questions. I just mean, ask some questions about something I want to have a conversation about. But asking a
1: question is going kind to of be like, why do you think everybody gets in it? And then it gets in the conversation.
0: And then it can preach back to the gospel. And you're listening to every one of their answers, don't you? Listen. People love to talk about themselves. You've got the greatest advocate ever in, in, in evangelism. It, it, it's the other person. All you got to do is ask them a question. What do you think about that? I mean, sometimes it's direct. You know, what do you think about God? They'll typically tell you. That's not when it gets awkward. You know, it gets awkward when you, <laughs> when you start telling them you're wrong and let me tell you how you're wrong, right? You know, I'm that blunt, but you know what I mean. You ask him the question. Well, you think about something, and then listen to him. And a lot of times they'll tell on themselves, and you'll know which way to go with them. Start the conversation in that way. I remember a guy who was just an amazing evangelist. I was as a young believer. I marveled at how easy it was for him to engage people in conversation. I'd get nervous. I don't know, I'm going to talk to this person. I'd get all amped up. I'm going to share the gospel with them, looking for the opportunity. I'd stumble over my, my words. This guy's just like free-flowing. And, and, you know, people eating out of the palm of his hand. And, and I didn't realize what he was doing. I just asked him. His name was Jack Reese. And uh, I said, Jack, how do you do that? He said, well, what's what I do? He said, I mean, I just, just ask people about themselves. Sitting in a restaurant, waitress is coming to wait on me, and he's just uh, he just strikes up a conversation. He's like, so how, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing, doing pretty good. Kind of hard. Got the kids in school. Oh, really, where, where do they go to school? You know, more information. And he just keeps asking questions about them. And then the next thing you know, they're just telling him his whole lot, their whole life. You know, this husband left me, and it's really hard, and this. And I'm so sorry. And, and, and all he's doing is listening. And he's letting them talk about themselves. Would you mind if I prayed with you? You might not go there immediately. But just ask somebody a question about themselves. They'll, they'll typically, typically give you an answer. But you're looking for a, a door. You're looking for an avenue where you can then share with them. Typically, people will listen to you. If you've listened to them, they'll listen to you. They may not agree with what you say, but that typically they'll listen to you. Yes, Ed? It does. Do you hear what he said? It comes to this take are you interested in people? Um, the Lord's interested in people, isn't he? Aren't you glad he was interested in you? And he wants us to be interested in people. Um, it's one of the ways you know if you're self-absorbed. Everything's about me, everything's about life, everything's about what I'm doing, what I want to eat, where I'm going, those kinds of things. I'm not even thinking about somebody else. I'm that way sometimes too. That's a shameful way to live. The Lord's interested in people. I want you to be interested in people. That's good. Am I interested in people? They can tell. You can tell if you're just asking questions so you can hurry up and talk. Don't interrupt them. Listen. Let them tell you their story. Um, which means you have to be interested in your story. Let's say you're not. Like Ed was saying a minute ago. Pray. Lord, help me be interested in people. Help me actually how me genuinely care uh, uh, about them. You think the world cares about anybody? The world didn't care about anybody. Another human being that's outside of Christ that doesn't have any hope, that doesn't have the hope living in them that you do, and they find another individual that actually cares about them enough to listen? Wow. Well, that's kind of unique. That's different. wonder what's different about them. And sometimes it's providential. Sometimes people, if you know the truth and you're living the truth, people will actually come to you with their, with their problems. Well, that's when you have a really good testimony. When your testimony is affecting other people, they're not cussing around you, they're not you know, pulling you into the dirty jokes or whatever it is because they know you're a Christian. Um, or you're the person that they come to when they really have a problem, when the wheels are off, like I did with Theta Lewis. I called some woman that was generations different from me. Because I had a problem. I didn't know how to fix it. I tried all my ways. Her testimony was clear. um, And she listened. And she was kind. The Lord used her in a powerful way. What are some other ways that you would it's about... How do you do that? Amen. So you're saying once you listen to them, then you're turning the questions back toward toward them, self-reflection. So how's that going? Wow, that seems like a really difficult way to, I'm so sorry. I mean, um, what do you think you're going to do about that? Well, I don't know. I mean, I've been struggling this, you know, it's like. I typically, at that point, when they acknowledge that it's not going well, I really don't know what to do. I I usually then interject myself. Now, I'm going to start talking. At that point, I'm going to say, well, you know what? I was in the exact same place at one point in my life. And this is exactly what happened to me. You know, it depends on how much time I have, obviously. Let's say I have a conversation. I share my testimony in the sense of, High school sweetheart, thought I had the world by the tail, it had me. Um, a couple weeks away from divorce, my life was a wreck. Um, this lady that had cancer that was dying, radiated Jesus Christ. I always believed in God, heaven, hell. Um, thought it was about religion, thought it was about doing good, but I never read the Bible myself. No one had ever even shared with me what it actually taught. Um, and I was confronted with the fact that I believed things about God, but I'd never checked it out myself. And from the looks of my life, whatever I believed about God wasn't working. I don't know if you might be experiencing that right now too, but, but here's where I found the answer. And so I'm using myself... As the as the deflector to be able to share, and you have a testimony; it's your testimony. They can't argue with your testimony. They may argue with, well, I don't believe that about God. I don't, you know, but how are they going to argue with you about what happened to you? And so while you're sharing what happened to you, you're you're actually sharing the gospel with them. And then, as Clay said, then it does get to that 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 point where it, it does cost. Um, feels like it costs. Say, well. What about you? Could I share more with, with you? I'd be happy to. Be, I would be happy to show you, you know, how I found how I found the truth. Or if you don't have that, um, you know, much length of time with them, you you may have something to leave with them. What are some other ways that you get from from point A to point B? Mm-hmm. Okay. Amen. Know the truth. Live the truth. Proclaiming the truth. Mark. So how would you do that? How would you get permission from somebody? I'm talking to them like Clay. I'm interested in them. I'm listening to them. Their, their life's a wreck. And then I'm, I'm, going, I'm connecting with them personally. I try to listen to them. So, you know, I went through some of the, the, the similar things. Where, where would you go from it?
1: Okay. Because even my father my father in law said that he, he knew that there was a hell but he didn't believe in hell before. But it wasn't until his deathbed that he actually called me to come in and finish the office. So, yeah. Because he remembered that he could be going to hell and came out. So I don't always leave the good news before the bad news.
0: So Mark just said something I think that's that's worth camping on there for a minute. You may you may not be the guy who picks the fruit. You may not even be the guy that gives them the whole gospel, and that's okay. If you're looking every day for somebody to to to, to share with, like caring about, and you know, then the Lord's going to give you that opportunity. But but it's His work. What you got to be is willing to proclaim the truth. So you're praying about that. You're looking for those opportunities. You're walking through those open doors, and you're taking it up to the point that that the Lord allows you to. Take it and and then somebody else may come along, water a little bit more, um, or plant. And then obviously the beauty, the, you know, the joy is whenever you bump into the tree, and the fruit falls off in your hand. Well, rest assured, there has been somebody tilling that ground and watering that and doing a lot of work before before you ever you ever got there so it's not a notch on your gun somebody's just done all the work and the Lord blessed you by being there to catch it whenever it fell off the tree
1: yeah
0: right yeah yep that's right amen Way, yeah. And then you share the gospel.
2: Yep.
0: Yeah, yes, yeah, so he's talking about another. I wouldn't say another category of people, but you could you could call it that. The individuals that are claiming to be Christians, that that are professing that, and then how do you deal with somebody in that category rather than an unbeliever who doesn't claim to be anything? You know, I mean, they, they, yeah, I'm a good person. I believe in God. You know, whatever. But they're not professing to be a Christian as a Jehovah's Witness, as a Mormon, as a, you know, a Pentecostal. Um, we are talking earlier about hurting people, people that you're just going to run into, you know, out, in the, out into the world. Um, then there are other types of people. You're going to run into folks that, that may stump you. And if they do, that's totally fine. That's God's impetus for you to study up on, you know, whatever it is. You stub your toe and you back up. That drives you to, to learn some more information about what they're saying, or how you would answer that question, and you're praying about it. And otherwise, it's it's a, it's actually a, what may seem like a bad thing is, a, you know the the Lord can the Lord can use it. Any other thoughts? Sure. Yeah. 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 He's talking about what do you do with family members getting ready to go Thanksgiving, and it can be, it can be, it is harder, and it can be harder for two reasons: one, because they know you, meaning they know your life. There's <laughs> not really a good testimony there, um, or it's your family, so that 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 makes it harder. I go back to Ed. I'm praying i'm not trying to you know eat the elephant all at once i'm going into family time going you know what i'm going to be around the people that know me i know them lord open a door or just have one conversation with somebody um you know that might be profitable i do think that it's you know i'm not taking tracks into my my thanksgiving family dinner and leaving them with uncle joe you know um I am, I'm using the relationship that I have. I'm not denying the natural relationship. This is my uncle. They know me from a kid, you know, whatever else. That's where I think your testimony is super important. Um, that will, uh, affect them in a, you know, in a positive way. And I'm looking for, for who in the family might be, might be open, uh, you know, to that. so I'm I'm really praying ahead of time. Um, and sometimes it's just being joyful. I mean, I think of my own family interaction. There, there are Christians that are there. Uh, they're genuine believers. But they come into Thanksgiving dinner, you know, and look like they've, you know, sucking on a lemon drop. You know, there's a prune in there. It's like, you know, how bad life is, how hard life is. And I'm this, I'm and that, and that. And at, at some point, Unbelievers that are there going, I don't know about want whatever they you know whatever they have. Is is there actually light, you know, that's coming out of uh, coming out of your your life? So yeah. Yeah. Amen.
3: amen
0: yeah amen proclaiming the truth ourselves yeah absolutely yeah yeah right So I'm hearing intentionality, being intentional. Like this is a goal that I have. I'm thinking about this. I'm hearing prayer. I'm hearing a good testimony, you know, that, that, that backs it up. I'm, I'm hearing care about other people, ask other questions, ask questions that seem to genuinely care, be a good listener. Um, I'm hearing no matter, even if you do all those things, there still will be a cost at some point when you actually turn the gospel. I'm hearing, you know, don't take it all on yourself. Uh, The Lord's the one who actually catches the fish. Um, Take it up to where you can, and then leave it there. Pick it back up later. Yeah. Okay. Amen. Amen. Praying that God will take away fear of man. You know the, the antidote for fear of man: fear of God. I Want to fear God more? I mean, it seems counterintuitive. Uh, I want to be more. I want to be more thankful for, for for grace. Well, look at your sin, and you'll become more thankful for grace. Uh, I want to fear man less. So fear God more. So how can I fear God more um, in front of somebody else? Humility, doing what I'm afraid to do and trust God in the process. That's, that's excellent. Pull the sword out. Kill it. Overcome evil with good. Um, do the do the exact opposite. Um, I, was, I was listening to you getting the picture of the Israelites, the priests that are, were told to cross the Jordan. The Lord promised them that he'd part the waters, and it wasn't until they picked up their foot and their, they went to step down and when they step down, that's when the water parted. So it's 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 active. That's faith, I'm believing what the Lord says, and I'm acting on it. And that's when the answer comes. But he's right. Our tendency is take it away before I ever step, and it's actually in the stepping that the Lord, you know, does does his work. Yeah. Ed? Amen. Praise the Lord. Did you hear that? Part of it comes from thinking that it's your job to get results or that you can mess it up. Um which is not an excuse to, to, you know, not be intentional or know the gospel, but that's typically not our problem. Our problem is not that. Usually, our problem is we're thinking that our job's something that that it isn't, and we're just servants. We're just messengers, um, and the Lord is the one that that does the work. I mean, you're not an expert on football baseball or anything else <clears throat> before you start sharing about it i mean we talk out our ears all the time we carry on all kinds of conversations acting like we know what we're talking about we don't know anything we're talking about well we we, we obviously know the gospel because it, it's it's changed us at least to that level so you don't have to be an expert on it um you engage in the conversation and uh then the lord grows you in that in that process so i wrote down two things this morning i am Praying for targeted opportunities, um, and then I'm aware of random opportunities. So I'm looking at the sphere, my sphere of life, and there's somebody at work I'm probably targeting. I'm I'm, I'm building opportunities. I'm working, you know. That's that, that that's there. I'm they're probably targeted opportunities. These are the individuals that the Lord's put in my life that are unsaved. I've got a guy that has been, that I've purchased wood off of. The first time he came, I'm immediately feeling him out, out, asking questions, listening to him, and it's an absolute mess. Um, Been in prison, uh, daughter's transgender, but a humble guy. Oh yeah, believe the gospel. My dad was a police officer um, years ago, and I, I've been to church you know those those kinds of things so i didn't put the noose around his neck then i'm just but but guess what i'm buying some more wood and i'm looking for that opportunity and he's brought it to me many times and every time we deepen the conversation and went a little farther and went little, those are targeted opportunities i'm targeting that guy like i'm bringing him and potentially bringing him into my world you've got somebody that you're you know you're you're, you're working on you're, you're um I don't know. I mean, uh, saw Mark Henry back there. I mean, somebody that you're, you know, you're doing physical therapy on on a regular basis, so you're aware of that person. You're building information about them. You're praying for that person. You're intentional to give them, give them that. Then there are random people that you're bumping into, Um, and you're looking for points of points of entry, which is usually pain. That's when people are open, um, and so I'm praying about those things. I've got targeted opportunities, and I'm being aware of random opportunities that begins with prayer and caring for people and just asking them asking them questions um, in order that I might be able to proclaim what happened to me, and I'm always opening that door. I mean, even if you just tell them how the Lord saved you, even if you just tell them what the Lord's done in your life, um, the gospel is 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 sown in the midst of that and the Lord can use that to start you down that, down, that, down that road closing thoughts let's pray Lord we are so thankful that you give us the privilege to know you and we are so thankful you're saving people in the world what a what a blessed truth that you will save men and you know who you're going to save and you've promised to do it and you've also given us the privilege to be part of that process help us not to lose that blessing help us to love people like you love people walk through open doors that are there be aware of those open doors um, and not be ashamed of you before men Help us even do that today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.